superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Check this out. This is the Rich Eisen Show. No, man, you already took one mic from me, baby. You ain't going to take another. I got something to say. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Day I can't give the game everything on the floor. Day I'll be done. Lucky for you guys, that day is not today. The Rich Eisen Show. I'm excited. I, I think they should just look forward to it and embrace it. Today's guests, Fox Sports NBA analyst Jim Jackson. Chargers running back Austin Eckler. Plus, your phone calls, latest news, and more. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, yes. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show, live on the Roku channel, live from Los Angeles, California, 844-204-RICH. We're right here on this Rich Eisen Show, terrestrial radio affiliate, smart enough to have us. We're here, Sirius XM, Odyssey, and more. I'm going to switch things up today. I'm going to switch things up today. I'm going to say hello to you first, oh, Chris, hey, as I always hey, do. Rich, Chris Brockman, good to see you. Rich, I'll say hi to you next, T.J. Jefferson. Normally, I go, you know, I just go around the room. Yeah, yeah. I go left to right. Well, hello there. Uh, you know, uh, the only week plus I didn't go left to right was when I was in Israel. Um, so, uh, good to see you, T.J. Jefferson. Candle's already lit. Good to it's see you. Uh, I'm going last to Mike Del Tufo because I'm, I'm going to tell you something. No, 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 no. You, no, no, no. Well, you got to. You, you're, you're, you know, oh. you're, you're on the pay attention list, as you oh. know, every single day here. And, I'm and to it's get better. No, no, no. It's Mike. It, 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 what you're doing today, I think um, everyone at home should know, uh, or listening wherever you are should know. Uh, Mike is locked in. Um, today in a way that it's very difficult to, to lock him in. And it's not because his internet's down or his phone's not working or he's not checking his emails. Um, it, it, he, he's all about the Sabalenka right now. Oh, and yeah. I mean, if anybody who's on watching the Roku channel right now, Mike is just his, he's looking at the 10 o'clock position in his world where the television set is. And honestly, um, Arena Sabalenka is playing tennis right now. Mm-hmm. And I, do you want quiet? Do you, do you need to focus? Because I can't, you know, I have to talk. <laughs> it's radio, it's streaming, it's television. Yeah, multimedia. Do you want to give us the update? Mike. I, I mean, will give you. It's uh, second, or they're in their third set. Thank you. 0 0, 15 15. Love, right love, love. 15 yeah. all. Yeah, I'm not, I can't okay, call them very a good. Match. Okay, I, mean, I can mix it. I, can't I, I don't think people understand. Mike was literally giving commentary of the match while we were getting I mean, ready. I love, show. I love tennis. And I Nobody. looked up, I was like, is Mike actually talking to anybody? Everyone no. else was in the combo, no. and he's early. He, he's saying he loves tennis. He's saying he loves tennis. But I, I think he loves. I think he, I, I think he loves uh, Belarus more right now. I mean, it right kind of seemed that way this morning. <laughs> Mike's never been more into Belarus than I've ever seen before. So, 
Um, it's not a metaphor. For it's anything. not a metaphor for anything. Hey, uh, hey, this is what happens when the only sports you're talking about is uh, what's going on in Wimbledon and uh, what the ESPYs did last night. That's where we're at right now. That's why they moved the ESPYs, by the way. ESPYs used to be in February. Right. Back, you know, when, when folks like myself were sitting in the uh, Radio City Music Hall. When you got an invite. Rafters. Yeah, well, I mean, please. I was, only, I was only there in years, what, uh, three through ten of the ESPYs. Yeah. You know, back when they were begging people like LeBron James to show up and, and give news to everybody that he's coming back. Was that news? <laughs> I mean, what, are we, what are we talking about? <sighs> we'll talk about that on the show today. <laughs> uh, but we've got Austin Eckler on this program in hour number three. And we are at the crossroads. We're, we're, we're in the 90-hour TikTok right now for Saquon Barkley and the Giants and Josh Jacobs and the Raiders to come to some form of an agreement because Monday is the deadline for franchise-tagged players to sign long-term deals or play on the franchise tag or um, hold out, remove their services from the teams. And this is – we're at the crossroads of running backs in this league who you draft – in your first round of your fantasy line. Very high. You, you draft Austin Eckler. Very high. You draft <laughs> Saquon Barkley. You draft uh, Josh Jacobs. You draft Derrick Henry. You draft Christian McCaffrey. I mean, these are the first players that go off the board, but that's your fantasy. In reality football, these players are sure they're important, but they're also a word that, uh, big word alert, Big word alert. Just giving you the heads up in advance. Fungible. Fungible. National Fungible League. That's what it is for running backs right now. Chris, look it up. I know you're doing it right now. Yeah. Fungible. Running backs. Whatever. You're great. We appreciate you. You score a lot of touchdowns. You're you're winning fantasy leagues for people. But right here, um, you're helping us win our division, winning games. You're crucial to us, but when it comes time to pay you, we're not paying you. It's an adjective, Rich. Replaceable by another identical item. Mutually interchangeable. And the other identical item is somebody like, say, Isaiah Pacheco. We keep bringing him up as the example. The Kansas City Chief rookie, seventh-round draft choice out of Rutgers. Yeah, uh, Brock Purdy wasn't the only seventh-round draft choice who was turning heads last year. He plays quarterback for the 49ers, and he happened to do what he did for a team with a ton of Super Bowl hopes. So he got all the attention. Isaiah Pacheco, seventh-round choice out of Rutgers. He was the Chiefs' leading rusher, 830 yards rushing, and he scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs won it all. And so why do you need to pay somebody like Barkley all that money? Why do you need to keep someone like Dalvin Cook when you can release him and play Alexander Madison instead. Why do you need to do that in the NFL? And I don't understand why running backs are viewed that way and wide receivers aren't. Other position players aren't. Wide receivers, what are you, you hearing like C.D. Lamb? Is he going to get 20 mil a year? Is that what's going to happen? 25 a year, right? Isn't that the rumor? 
that Jerry's going to pizzay him to the tune of 20 to $25 million a year? And I understand he takes the top of defenses off, mm-hmm. but you can remove him from a game defensively, and then all of a sudden you need to have somebody like, say, Tony Pollard come in and home run hit when he receives the ball five yards behind the line of scrimmage. He can do that. Yeah, he can. And those are the difference makers. Honestly, you take a look at the top touchdown makers of last season. Eckler leads it at 18. Jamal Williams had 17 for the lines. They let him walk. They're going to go with, you know, DeAndre Swift is gone too. They're going to go with Montgomery. They're going with David Montgomery. They're going with a bunch of, you know, Jameer Gibbs. They drafted him in the first round. And he's going to hopefully have a great first contract for the Lions. He better, because guess what he's not going to get? A second one to the tune of what he wants. That's what Saquon Barkley's trying to get right now. And according to Diana Rossini, our friend from the Worldwide Leader in Sports, his franchise tag... At $10.9 million. he apparently wants McCaffrey money. The report's out there that he turned down $13 million a year, right? That's the report. 26 guaranteed. And he responds on Twitter with two blue caps. Now, I texted you folks. <laughs> this Our text exchange really should be published. Well, it's because you weren't answering pick. my question. I understand I that it. these emojis mean <laughs> this is Fugazi. Wait, I get it. I get it. The last I get it. time you said, no, what does it mean? I finally got it. I was like, oh, what do you... Yeah, okay. why, why do, do two blue caps <laughs> indicate this, like a horse and a poop emoji... Would be more understandable. A bull and a poop emoji. Yeah, right, right, right. What are? Can somebody tell me why two blue caps mean that doesn't? DJ, compute you, you, you can anybody? Take, take it away. Well, I mean, it's one of these. You know, goes back to rap. Somebody said cap, but you're asking what? My, at the end, I was like, are you asking what about it? Is he saying is a lie? Or no. Why, why does the actual cap mean lie? Why do two blue caps it's indicate? A it's, it's a phrase. No it, cap means you know. No, no BS. But oh, you're capping right now. That means you're just you don't really believe what you're saying. Thank you. Cap is yeah. a, Thank you. Was yeah. that difficult to well, express hard, in our texting chain? Text, I'm like, it. what does this mean? <laughs> it means he doesn't think it's true. You know, that's that's BS. I get it. What does that? What do those emoji means? It means this isn't true. I'm like, I get that. Why do? <laughs> I understand. It's like that taxi. It's like that taxi episode, right? With Jim Ignatowski. What does the yellow light mean? Slow down. What does the no? I get it. I get it. I get it. The two blue caps. Cat. So I I don't I don't know why the Giants won't pay him. You know why. Because if he's going to hold out week one against Dallas, do you know what's going to happen that night against Dallas? That They're going to get smoked. Do you know if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I am going to spend the next 90 hours with some PSYOPs operation 
calling up as many people as possible to say, I don't know what's going on with the Giants and Saquon. I think he's going to hold out. I think this is a problem. I don't think the Giants like him. I'm just going to just, just all it takes is one week. I don't care. One week, please. <laughs> please do not play week one. And that's the answer here is that, you know what? Some running backs in this league are worth it. I actually said those words. They're actually worth it because it works on so many levels. When you pay somebody like Saquon Barkley this money and you're paying your quarterback $40 million a year, you can pay your running back $16 million, and you're like, well, that's an incredible amount. That's a lot of money. That breaks the market. That breaks. Yeah, you know what Saquon Barkley does when he's healthy? I get it. He breaks the backs of your opponent. He breaks the will of your opponent. He also is a guy in the locker room who will walk around and say, if you ball out, the Giants will pay you. If you do what we know Saquon does off the field. The Giants don't need to know this. John Mara doesn't need to know this. Steve Tisch doesn't need to know this. The whole front office knows it. You're not going to get that 2 a.m. phone call about him. Ever. You're going to get touchdowns. You're going to get moments that I get. He did not answer the bell physically for his entirety of his first year of his contract. Neither did McCaffrey. Some guys are worth it. I don't understand it. Derrick Henry scored 14 touchdowns last year. McCaffrey, 13. Chubb, 13. Hurts, 13. Zeke, 12. 12. Pollard, 12. Jacobs, 12. Miles Sanders, 12. Jarek McKinnon, 10. Dalvin Cook, 10. Saquon, 10. Najee Harris, 10. Now, Devontae Adams led pass catchers with 14. By the way, Hertz scored 13 times, as I mentioned. Kelsey, 12. Diggs, 11. Kittle, 11. And Devontae Adams is worth every penny that he gets. Obviously, Kelsey is off the charts valuable. 12. These guys scored more. These guys scored more. And half the time... Then the rest of the 11 guys on the other side know that this guy's going to get it. No cap. That's it. I'm not cap. Am I capping now or am I no capping now? Please help me out. No cap. Blue hat. You ain't lying. I don't understand it. And I know the Giants got to pay other people. I got to pay this guy, that guy. There's only a certain amount of money left. Then do a better job of paying the other people. Why are you holding it on Saquon? Come on. Week one. Week one without Sit him. Out, Week one without him. Sit out. But exactly. That's what you're saying. <laughs> he should take a stand, Rich. On you should. Yeah, there you go, TJ. Yes. Go, go for it, TJ. What should Saquon do, TJ? Well, he's from, from the cowboy perspective. Well, not just from a human perspective, oh, Rich. Yeah, you the, know, human, he, the human fund? The human fund. And I feel like maybe we should people start one people. for these running backs who are being unjustly yes. withheld their funds. Yes. 
You know, and I agree with you. Said so. Saquon should take a stand yep. and sit out a few weeks, but definitely sit out week one. Yes, for at sure. least. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, week yeah, two, yeah, make yeah. week two. Well, then you know, reevaluate. Yeah, you know, because you still got to eat. But I'm saying week one, I definitely not stay home. What happened when Emmett sat out for the first two weeks of a season over a contract well, dispute? Well, the Cowboys went zero and two. And then what they do when he came back? They won. Um, the pretty last much game damn near every yeah, every. They, they, well, super and by Bowl, the way, yeah. almost every game in between. Yeah, yeah. I don't see that for the Some Giants, guys are but... worth it at the position. Some guys are worth it at the position. I'm caping and no capping. <laughs> at the same time. Did I get that right? You got that Thank right. Thank you. No cap. I feel great about myself. Jim Jackson's going to join us hour two to talk association. Austin Eckler, hour number three. Obviously, this is going to be the, the conversation we're going to have with him. Mike Flores is going to join us next. Is the sale of the commanders in doubt because of what's going on with Dan Snyder and emails and all of that business from a couple of years ago that cost Gruden his gig? Oh, man. Mike Florio is next. There's you at 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Happy birthday to Harrison Ford, snubbed by the Emmy voters yesterday. Unbelievable. Not just 1923, but shrinking. He is brilliant in that show. There's been so many great shows last year. So I know. Somebody was getting left out. Harrison Ford? Why does he get left I out? I don't know. What's going just on? Add an extra nominee. What are we going to do here? Who cares? All right. I've got a top five Harrison Ford movies of all time. Yeah, I got that. We're caping and no capping right here on this edition <laughs> of the Rich Eisen Show. Mike Florio, when we come back. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least... The partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. All right, we're back. 
um, here uh, a couple minutes when our radio audience returns. That's when we'll bring in our friend Mike Florio. Uh, how's Sabalenka doing, Mike? Uh, 3-2, Jabor is up. Who's up? Third set. Who's up? Sabal- Mike, let me handle this. No, 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 no. That's, it's better if he handles Sorry. it. No. He's the one who's locked in on Sabalenka. Mike, what's it's happening? It's 40-love, 3-2, third set. It's not. Set. It's 40-40. It's deuce. Oh, it's love. Yeah, I don't know. 40. No it's not 40-40. It's called deuce. Deuce. See, I have no idea. I don't. I could mix it. I can't. Sorry. Add out. Thank Sabalenka you. on serve, See, add out, down 3-2 in the third set. Brockman and I both have been to Forest Hills and seen the U.S. Open. He actually worked it. I watched it. I've I have called no clue. tennis matches. And you called it. Yeah, exactly. You guys I've can do it. Tennis. Rich no and I were technically co-workers. We yes. were. You were, with, you were working on USA with yes. Barkan, right, Barkan. when I was doing the CBS coverage, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Michael Barkan, who is just a delightful human. Delightful human. Very fun. We had a great time. I was probably drinking. The highlight of which was when we got to... Uh, we had to interview Anna Kornikova that year. Oh, yes. And uh, it was great. <laughs> Ridiculous. Man, you guys, two, man. It was 2003. Yeah, that was the height of... Uh... I think Sabalenka is Russian for Del Tufo restraining order. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Nice. Well done. Well, she needs to win this point here. Yeah. Or, oh, uh, oh, she's bro- oh, she's broke? Oh, she did. All right, back to this. I can see this. Yeah. By the way, you're not supposed to talk during a point. Well, we're, not, just, just, we're not there. I, I know that. That's true. So <laughs> that would be breaking news. That little we booth, at, the little at, booth at they right have now. to sit in is kind of. I'm kind. Of, I think would, I would not want to call the match from that little like booth yep. thing. Yep. A little, a little booth from thing? the little booth thing. Yeah, it's like on the side. You're a, you're a professional, Mike. I think they call it a gantry in uh, oh. in the UK. That's what oh. that's that what that, at least that's what it was called in um, Wembley when we called the game. It was all four of us in a very tight gantry. <laughs> Put it that way. It's not a metaphor for anything. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. I'm on the Rich Eisen Show radio network uh, at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is the right product for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by as our friend Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, NBC Sports, uh, and so much more has been kind enough to return. How are you, Michael? What's going on, sir? Doing great, Rich. Doing great. I'm in Hilton Head, South Carolina for the week, trying not to be eaten by an alligator. Okay. So far, I've been successful in that objective. Do you play golf? Do you tee it up, Mike? No. No, no I, I prefer to enjoy myself. <laughs> what, what does that mean? So you, so you, you don't find <laughs> golf relaxing? You don't, you don't, uh, no, you don't enjoy it? No, no, okay. no. Golf, <laughs> golf is something that I am just good enough at okay. to begin to improve when I begin to play and then I get very interested in it and I want to start getting better. So I start thinking about it and practicing, going to the range, getting frustrated Mm. when any improvement I think I'm making doesn't manifest itself and then eventually hate everything about it and quit. (laughs) And then five years later I get sucked into it again. Although I think the last time it happened, I swore it off for good. It's just, Okay. Oh. It just drives me crazy because I want to be better at it than I am, and I feel like I should be, and the fact that I'm not makes me hate it. So I'd rather just, you know, do okay. nothing okay. and not piss myself off. Well, here we are in that time of uh, year, right before training camps are opening up, uh, starting at the end of next week. But there is a pretty big date on Monday. What is, in your estimation, happening with Saquon Barkley and the Giants Right now, as we're talking. Well, my understanding is that they tried to get him signed to a long-term deal before applying the franchise tag. What they wanted to do, Rich, was sign him to a long-term deal because he's the proven commodity. 
sign him to the long-term deal, and tag Daniel Jones. Kick the can for a year, see if Jones can do a sequel in 2023 to what he did in 2022, and then sign him after that, if need be. So they made an offer to Saquon. I'm told $13 million a year, $26 million guaranteed over the first two years. He wanted $16 million a year, not $13 million a year. Now, he has called that cap, as the kids say on Twitter, but the numbers aren't unreasonable. They're not implausible. It would make sense for the Giants to have offered 13 a year, and it would make sense for Barkley to have wanted 16 a year. But the Giants' message was once we apply the franchise tag, the offer is pulled. Now, good luck holding to that if you're the Giants and you get closer to this deadline on Monday. But that's what happened back in March. Now the question is, when will the Giants put 13 back on the table? Will they add to it? And how much more beyond 13 will be necessary to the sign a long-term deal? And after Monday, you can't do a long-term deal. All you can do is a one-year deal, and $10.1 million is the franchise tender, although the Giants could, in theory, offer him more than that to get him to show up. So $16 million, what's the significance of that? Is there a significance? That would, that make... Christian McCaffrey, new money average when he signed his new contract when he was with the Panthers a few years ago. And look, the, the, the market has gone down, but the salary cap has gone up. I mean, that is not a number that would reflect any type of greed. I think Barkley's very sensitive to the perception he's being greedy because, you know, fans line up behind the owners. They, they get mad at the players for wanting more. But when you're a running back and you can end on any given play and you're in a position where you can exert leverage, get what you can while you can. 16 is not unreasonable for him to want. And if that's just a negotiating point and you're willing to go down to 14 or 15, but you take 16 to get more than 13, that makes it even more reasonable. So I don't think he ever expected to get 16, but that doesn't mean he wouldn't have asked for 16. We reported back in, in February that Daniel Jones wanted $45 million or more per year. It turns out he wanted 47. That's what you asked for to get them from the low 30s up to the 40 where it all finally ended. So what, what, why isn't 14 and a half something, you know? I mean, I, I, I just don't understand. We've got Austin Eckler coming up in hour number three, and so obviously this news, his – story altogether makes that a theme of today's show if this is a sesame street it would be sponsored by you know the market value of running backs right now that would be the number and and so i i just don't get it i I, honestly i don't get it man i mean these guys are um significantly uh as important on the field as any of these top wide receivers who take defenses apart with their speed and their abilities i I don't get it, brother. I just don't get it, what's happening in the NFL right now. It's about economics, but I know this, supply and demand. And there is a greater supply of competent running backs coming out of every major college every year. Every major college has a guy who plays tailback at a high level who could, in theory, thrive in the NFL. If you block for him, if he can be taught to hold on to the football when he's attacked, not tackled, but attacked, in a way to get him to fumble, and also if you can trust him to pick up backers and defensive backs, he can play running back at the NFL level. There are too many great athletes at the running back position. So what happens is teams draft a guy, chew him up, spit him out, and draft somebody else. That's why the market is where it is. There are too many young running backs where teams can say, we'll go younger, we'll go cheaper, we'll go healthier, and we'll make this guy into a star, and then when the time comes to pay him, We'll just go find somebody else, like the Cowboys did when they let DeMarco Murray walk away. He set the franchise record for single-season rushing yards, and his reward was, see you later. We'll, 
we'll figure something else out. And they ended up getting the, the guy from Arkansas, Darren McFadden, who had 1,000 rushing yards in the bridge year between DeMarco Murray and Ezekiel Elliott. So there's just too many running backs out there. And, and I think this goes back to something Ben Tate, former Auburn running back who was drafted, I think, round two or three by the Texans. He said at one point, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have played running back. So the message out there for the young running backs, the young athletes who are dominant at the youth football level, so the coaches just give the football to them and say run circles around everyone else, they need to resist being pigeonholed as running backs and get themselves into other positions that will have longer career, less wear and tear, and more money. I mean, the Cowboys are rooting to see Matt Breida start week one. That's for damn sure. You know, who's right behind Saquon on the depth chart. Uh, uh, do you think he would hold out? Or do you uh, – I mean, look – you know how this works. It, it ain't midnight yet. Midnight's coming up on Monday, and you even said that the Giants could th- throw some more money at him to make sure he reports, or that's over the weekend, right? Or Monday is Monday. That's no, it. No, no, no. Here's the problem with Monday. The Monday deadline, after that, you can't sign him to a multi-year deal. So whatever leverage he has isn't going to lead to what he wants. His leverage is, I'm not showing up for training camp. I'm not showing up for week one. I'm not showing up for week two. And if it works, what are they going to do? it's too late to do the long-term deal. That rule hurts the player because it cuts off the ability to get what you're trying to achieve by using your leverage. You can't do the long-term deal. They could offer him more money. That's never been done for anyone under the franchise tag. What I've seen in the past with Lance Briggs and Albert Hainsworth years ago, you put in a term saying basically we won't franchise tag you next year if you reach certain performance levels. So then the guy has an incentive. He signs a one-year deal and he potentially gets to walk away after that year so they could do that but yeah the deadline is monday for the multi-year deal the long-term security he wants so now's the time for him to huff and puff there's no house to be blown down until week one but this artificial arbitrary rule only gives him until monday to get their attention on what he wants on a long-term deal well and of course he plays for the giants in the northeast and saquon is saquon um and lost i guess uh, in that shuffle is josh jacobs in the same boat with the raiders and he was the leading rusher of the entire league last year so is that in the same you know uh dumpster right now that's on fire same idea, but not as much noise and i think the raiders less inclined to do a long-term deal. Pay the 10-1, have him be your guy again for another year, let him go do his thing. You know, there was a thought when Josh McDaniels became the head coach that what we would see from the Raiders is what we've seen from the Patriots, where you've got multiple running backs. Who gets the ball, who's involved in the offense is driven by game plan and, and defense and not, hey, we've just got a workhorse that we're going to use over and over again. I won't be surprised if they don't do a long-term deal and intend to keep him for one more year. And Hey, Rich, once Dalvin Cook became available, I threw out the idea that maybe Josh Jacobs should do what Tony Pollard did mm-hmm. and accept that $10.1 million. Because until you accept it, the team can yank it, like Josh Norman found out a few years ago, yeah. and they can just go sign Dalvin Cook for one year. All right, Josh Jacobs wants 10-1. Well, we can get Dalvin Cook for eight or nine. Let's just do that for one year, if we're only going to keep Josh Jacobs for one more year anyway. It, that, that's in theory something that could be done, and I think that Jacobs should be far more nervous about that than Barkley. I can't imagine the Giants doing that with Barkley, right? but it wouldn't shock me if the Raiders did it with Josh Jacobs. Wow. Where do you think is, – is that part of the reason why Cook hasn't jumped at whatever offers are reportedly on the table from Miami, or just uh, it makes no sense to do that right now? What do you think? I think Cook and DeAndre Hopkins, the two big-name free agents, are both doing the same thing. They're just waiting. There's no rush to do anything now. 
No one has made them an offer that they can or won't refuse. So let's just wait and see what happens, whether it's into training camp, whether it's right when training camp starts, whenever it may be. I mean, at some point, you got to show up and practice to get yourself ready. But they both got the luxury of time. And yeah. you can't, I mean, I wouldn't rule out that possibility. Hell, I, you know, the, the Bengals, if they wanted to, and I don't think this has started yet, but if the Bengals wanted to, if they're trying to squeeze Joe Mixon to take less, they could start flirting with Dalvin Cook and say, hey, Joe, you don't want to take less. We'll, we'll give the reduced offer that we would otherwise give to you to Dalvin Cook, and we'll just swap out Dalvin Cook for Joe Mixon. So, I mean, that's the other problem with the running back position. It's interchangeable parts. There's too many guys out there that can play at a high level, rookies and veterans. It gets back to why they struggle to get the value that they, they truly bring to the table. So it's just the fact that running back might be, I'll use the word easier, easier to succeed at, easier to learn a playbook, easier to see the hole and be patient then I guess it's more skilled to play receiver and quarterback and left tackle and more skilled that that you can't find the young kids to blossom and succeed so quickly in the draft that the running back position, is that the issue here? Like, I'm just putting it all together, that that's why running backs are more replaceable, fungible, however you want to put it, and, and we're in this position with guys who are Absolutely, one of your first-round draft selections in your fantasy league, but in the NFL, it's just like, okay, Mixon, you're out. Cook, you're in. Cook, you're out. Madison, you're in. Eckler, you're, you you can go seek a trade if you want, and if not, we'll just flip you a few more bucks and you can come back. Is that the, is that the reason why we're in the position we're, we're in? basically it. I mean, the skills are more rare at quarterback, obviously. There aren't enough good quarterbacks to go around. Hell, there aren't enough bad quarterbacks to go around. Receiver is kind of becoming – like running back, because all those seven-on-seven camps that are done at high school and college level, you've got all those quarterbacks throwing all those passes. Guys are catching them. They're running routes, and they're catching them. They're getting better. So we're seeing more and more successful receivers come out, and it could go the way of the running back at some point. But but at least and, – and see, this is one of the arguments that, that I know we, – we focus so much on the passing game, so the guys part of the passing game get paid more. But a running back, a good running back, still affects the team. Yeah more than a good receiver no does. He's touching the ball more often, especially if he's involved in a passing game. But it's that simple. So the best athletes should be playing a different position. When Jim Brown died, I, I had this thought, what if, if there was another talent like Jim Brown, who was just great at everything he did, lacrosse, football, anything, everything, would he be a running back or would he be a quarterback in today's NFL? Mm-hmm. I mean, again, the way the game is gone, you, you take that great you just give him the ball and pop Warner and say, go, you get him to a different position because that greatness can manifest itself in a more rare skill set that you develop over time and you play in the NFL for 15 to 20 years instead of three, four, five years. Mike Florio here on the Rich Eisen Show. All right, let's get into the commander's sale. Is that in jeopardy right now with whatever's going on with Dan Snyder? Well, it's either Dan Snyder trying to get a few extra concessions on his way out the door because they're so determined to close the book on Snyder's tenure that maybe they'll agree to whatever those last few things is he wants because they don't want it to blow up. That could be it. And the Washington Post article on the subject today acknowledged the possibility. This is just posturing. This is just grabbing a few terms that are favorable to Snyder as he leaves. But if there is a bigger issue here, and it all comes down to, to legalese, but if they 
to this. And, and let's use the John Gruden emails lawsuit that is a Somebody leaked those things. Somebody weaponized those emails mm-hmm. to get him pushed out as head coach of the Raiders. If his lawsuit in Nevada stays in court and isn't pulled into arbitration by the NFL, that thing could blow up with a big settlement or a big verdict. So who pays for it? Who pays for it? Snyder doesn't want to pay for it. The league doesn't want to pay for it. Everyone's saying we didn't leak it. Somebody did. And if Gruden's able to pursue this thing in open court, the discovery process quite possibly is going to produce the digital footprints that take us back to who leaked it. So if that all blows up at some point down the road, they want to have it figured out now who's paying for it. I think that's the real issue. Who's going to pay for that? Plus any other potential litigation that could pop up. But that's the one that we know about. That's the one I think they want to account for. And that article from ESPN, that it, it, uh, you know, it's a long one, but it's worth reading it all. There's a lot of details in there that I think show that everyone should be concerned about the power that Gruden has. And frankly, he's got a ton of leverage. I mean, this would be a good time for him to make an uh, make an offer, and it would be smart for the league and Snyder to throw some money together to make it go away. So John Gruden's email, again, that story of Don Van Natta and Seth Wickersham, the, the uh, deep dive, long read, however you want to put it, in ESPN that came out about 24 hours ago. Um, you're, you're saying, what did you learn about Gruden and whatnot in that that makes you think he's got such a strong case that a settlement might be smart for him or uh, it causes the league and Snyder to start arguing about who's indemnified um, that call, that holds up the commander sale. I mean, what it, what what just came out that might make On you think? On the surface, that? we look at John Gruden's lawsuit and we just kind of sneer because he sent the emails, he got what he deserved. That's the easy reaction to the Gruden lawsuit. Mm-hmm. The more nuanced approach is those emails were part of a six hundred and fifty thousand document trove that was supposed to be kept entirely secret. The league decided we're keeping everything under wraps. Whether you agree or disagree with their reasoning for doing it, that's what they did. So somebody pulled off a few of those supposedly secret documents and weaponized them against John Gruden, specifically deliberately leaked them, knowing what would happen. What's going to happen? You get this stuff out there, and he's done as coach of the Raiders. So that's what his claim is. These documents that supposedly were going to be kept secret were selectively used in an effort to squeeze Mark Davis to get rid of him. And you've got a small universe of people that had access. Dan Snyder has testified under oath to Congress. He didn't do it. Roger Goodell has told the owners he didn't do it. Now, when he about it, that would have made a very compelling situation if both Goodell and Snyder had testified under oath to Congress, they didn't leak it. Because you can find the right forensics expert to dig to the bottom of this, even though the reporters will never disclose who gave them the information. You can find out from the league's perspective, the commander's perspective, somebody's got that, that trail of breadcrumbs that's going to show who sent those emails out. And, Rich, if that's ever brought to light and Gruden is determined and motivated, the quote that got me was he wants to burn the NFL's house down. If he, and he means the league office, not the entire yeah. operation. Yeah. If, he, if he's successful with that, people should be very nervous because somebody has lied about not leaking them because somebody clearly leaked them and there aren't many people who could have done it. So that to me was just the, the wow to, to understand and digest everything they reported. And that's why, yeah, it would be a, it would be a good idea to try to settle this case with John Gruden, but Gruden 
based on this report, is determined to keep pushing, and he'll refuse all easy to say until you got, you know, 50, 60, 70 million staring at you. But, and I'm just throwing out numbers that would, you know, presumably get his attention, but he's determined to try to, to, to make this happen and expose whoever it was that, that leaked the information. Mm. Wow. That's all out there. Okay, training camp. So you're, you're, this, is your, this is your last hurrah of just uh, chilling, right? Back at it next week, Mike? Yeah, I mean, but... I'm, this is it? Not, but... Here's the thing. I still, I'm still, I mean, I'm supposed no, no. to be on vacation. I, do I know. I'm calling you. I'm calling you. I know you were on DP. Um, I get yeah, it. I, and, and look, I, but I don't mind it. I mean, my life is a vacation. I don't work. Nice. I enjoy this. I love it. So, yeah, I'll go down to the beach and get a little more sun today and probably mm-hmm. have a few more drinks than I should tonight. And mm-hmm. then okay. we just take the operation back <laughs> home and it all continues. PFT Live returns on Peacock on July 24. Okay. But we, still, we still keep going. I like it. I like, you know, when it gets slow when you're a media outlet that covers the nfl and it gets slow i get nervous it's like is it ever going to come back again please let's come back let's go let's have some news let's have some stuff to talk about oh yeah yeah jets hard knocks coming up hard oh, knocks. Hey, hey hey rich i don't know if you've talked about it this is the angle that i that i have with this is why i think the jets didn't want to do it because you know the team's got final say over what makes it to air sure but you better be damn sure aaron Rodgers is okay with ever with whatever you put in there that's the pressure point if whoever is editing that thing and giving the up or down guesses wrong and Aaron Rodgers gets upset, then you got a problem with Aaron Rodgers that you otherwise could have avoided. So here's hoping they put some stuff in there that makes Aaron Rodgers upset and he goes on Pat McAfee's show and complains you. about how they put stuff in there that they shouldn't. Look at you. I, personally, I think it's also um, the last time they did it, um, they had a holdout. And that wasn't fun when Grievous holding out. I mean, Quinn and Williams is still unsigned. I, I don't know if that might be it too. You know what I mean? Like there, there's, there's some of that, and just general sense of everybody. You know, the in the era of control, what you can control, and I know they can control it. Um, I don't know why it's a distraction. You know, NFL films is you know it doesn't leave a, a you know a fingerprint. They're 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 the best at it. So I don't know. We'll find out though. It'll be fun. Oh, but everything's a distraction. You know how coaches are. Yeah. Everything and anything's a distraction. When Rex Ryan did it in 2010, the argument was, hey, we need to get our players accustomed to having all this attention because sure. we intend to go to the postseason. And when you get to the postseason, the attention yeah. becomes unwieldy. So you may as well be used to the crush of it now. So they tried that. My understanding is they tried that argument on the Jets to get them to want to do it, but it didn't work. And, and that's what's great. The first time they've been doing hard knocks for 20 years now that you have a team that truly doesn't want to do it. That, that could make for some compelling content yeah. if you have a team that is resisting actively whatever the NFL is trying to do. That's a hard knock for sure. Thanks for the call, Mike. Greatly appreciate it. You're the best. Enjoy Thank your you. time. See you, pal. You got it. That's Mike Florio. I don't think we'll see much of Rodgers at all, actually. Um, I think we will. Let me ask this question. There have been some really terrible owners in the National Football League in the history of the NFL. Terrible. Really bad. Um, all you got to do is read the um, the Bo Jackson um, biography oh, by Jeff Perlman about Hugh Culverhouse. Yeah. Just uh, honestly, you could, you could just go down the history of NFL owners, okay? But in terms of the patent disappointment on the field and the behavior behind the scenes. 
and the problems that are caused. The ditching of a classic old stadium for a new one. That had to happen. I mean, right. I get it. You know, buildings date out. But then you move into a new one based on where it's located and how it feels for the fan base to try and make that transition. And then trying to build a new stadium in your own town and you can't get a deal done because nobody wants to deal with you based on how you've dealt with them in the town and then taking over media outlets, buying them, harassing people. Put it all together. Is Dan Snyder the worst owner in the history of the National Football League? He's definitely on a Mount Rushmore. Washington fans would say yes. I mean, they hate that guy. You have to just put it all together. And I know I'm talking about the entirety of this majestic sport that, and league that I understand has its flaws. But uh, I have seen up close people who are doing their jobs and keep the flame and love doing it and take it seriously. I've seen it up close and I understand people think I'm caping, but that's it. No cap. No I, cap. I, I, but they do allow, <laughs> you know, I, I won't hear a thing from the NFL about what I'm saying right now into this microphone. Is he the worst owner in the history of the NFL? Of the issues and the, the investigations in Capitol Hill testimony that has been demanded and again the disappointment on the field the meddling the threatening good lord and they still and now they see the finish line and there's still an issue by reaching the finish line and by the way after all of this that i just said about him a six billion dollar payday awaits so that, I know the headline is how, you know, you know, the Gruden emails did in Dan Snyder. He's been done in to the tune of a $6 billion payday. I'd like to be done in by right. the, a similar way one day. Kind of like the Donald Sterling thing, who is also on that list. Well, I mean, I mean, in terms of elsewhere, and I, I don't want to conflate the two. I'm just, I'm just talking about here in the NFL, because obviously Sterling opens up a whole different area. <laughs> My God, Uh, just really like the door is there. Please let it hit you in the ass on the way out. 844-204-RICH, number to dial here on the Rich Eisen Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. 
Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Well, it can't be more, I guess, out there than jumping out of a trunk buck naked. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's... You know what I mean? Like, when you were doing that with the hangover, when that was first placed in front of you, did you think, I don't know if I can do this? It was my idea. That's that's how insane I am. Now, hold on just a second. Yeah, it was my idea. What do you mean it was your idea? Uh, It's uh, Todd Phillips who wrote and directed the movie. Um, It was in in the middle of the the movie, it has Mr. Chow jump out, Nate, jump out with his shirt off and his and his slacks on. And then I'm a, and he also wrote and directed Old School, and I'm a, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. And, sure. and it was really inspired by, really hacking off Will Ferrell, like streaking naked. It was really inspired by that. And I, so I said, well, this is a Todd Phillips movie. So I, I gently pitched to Todd, I was like, what if, Mr. Chow just jumped out naked mm-hmm. and he was like, you don't have to tell me twice. I mean, he was like, <laughs> he literally, he knew the idea was so perfect that he made me sign, he made me sign a clause like saying that I cannot change my mind. <laughs> so, he got the lawyers involved. Yeah, he got the lawyer literally within half an hour, no joke, he sent Scott Budnick to like, like his associate to for me to sign a paper. But I had, I had already in my head, I was like, well, I, I, actually, I actually just felt for the good of the story. It's weird because in real life, I'm not an exhibitionist. I don't like to take off my shirt at the beach. You know, I'm, I'm really late. So I think when I'm in character or when, we, especially as Mr. Chow, you know, you're kind of, I mean, I hate when actors say that, but it's true. You're, you're a different guy. I'm just a different, yeah. a different guy that just doesn't, that just doesn't care about anything. And in many ways, there's part of me that I wish I could be like elements of that character where like in real life, I'm very sensitive. I really care what everyone thinks. But as Chow, in, in many ways, is so cathartic because this Chow doesn't, he doesn't care. Like, hey, he doesn't care. It's just, he's just an <laughs> idiot. Happy birthday to the great, brilliant, hilarious Ken Jong. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Jim Jackson's going to join us in the middle of hour number two. We'll talk a little bit of association. Uh, we didn't discuss this yesterday, but the news coming out of the summer league it does appear that the what the board of governors that we were calling it uh, in the nba right the, of all the ownership group yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Board of governors. that they're gonna approve an extra challenge in an nba game to the coach who gets the first one right i like that it's kind of like the nfl right you get one right your first one right you get you get uh, you, you get another one. Challenge you can plus. get a third, Challenge right? Plus. Challenge plus. Challenge plus. I like it. I'm into that idea. So if you're, I guess it's. Better get it right. I, st- I, I think, though, it should be like the NFL. You get two. You get the first one right, though. You get the third. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You want an extra to the extra. I still do. I, I think they're, they haven't gone the full way yet. I think they're still too stingy. You should be able to challenge until you get one wrong. <laughs> Just keep challenging. Well, they don't want to do that. That will stop the flow. Yeah, for but sure. But I just think... There are too many big moments still in the first half of games that that get overlooked because... They still want to hold on to that one challenge for the end of the game. 
And man, you if if your staff tells you to challenge something in the first half, I still think coaches are going to be stingy about it. Mm-hmm. Because they still don't want to blow their one challenge that they're going to get for the end of the game. Every single, which is maybe they should do it like the 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 NFL and the fact like, okay, we'll keep this rule the way we have it. One challenge gets you a second if it's successful. But in the last two minutes of a game, what would it be? Maybe the last 30 seconds of a game, last minute of a game? That's the problem. Is you, I guess you don't want it stopped all the time. In the last two minutes, you can't challenge, right? It's kind of automatic. It's automatic? I think, I think in the NBA. In the NBA. So they're already doing so. that right now? Yeah. Okay. I, I just want a challenge in the first half. How can we come up with a construct where coaches are now able to do that? Because honestly, if your, your guy gets a, a third foul called on him in the end of the first half, and it's dicey. I'll 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 fire up the siren. I mean, the player always wants the challenge. That's a another problem. Yeah, yeah. No, no challenges in the last two minutes. It's okay. uh, automatic. There you go. So they already have it. We're so close. <laughs> they should just do it like the NFL. But I like the fact that if you get one right, you you don't lose it. You still have it in your back pocket. I just want coaches to fire things up in the first half. Because some of those are just as important. Yeah. Now, no, they want to hold it for the end, but but if it's a third, if it's a if it's a yeah. three point game, and something affects the score in the first half, doesn't that have a residual effect on the actual final score? Well, usually on my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> and those little games. The little those gambling games. site man <laughs> ends hour one. Very good. We're still here on uh, our road. No, but I mean, if, you're, if someone's getting a third foul in the first quarter or a fourth foul late in the second quarter, yeah, those are. Big. I think third foul in the f- second quarter is just as big. Those too. are big calls. So yeah, I mean, I like this. Uh, I'm challenging. I like it. I like. I like replay. Anything that gets me more Scott Foster airtime. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. You criticize that man, Chris, because he's been good for Boston. He was, in, in excuse me. Years, so uh, I cri- think his work I'm in the playoffs. I think it is work in the playoffs. Every single time you called him out, like, oh, it's a Scott Foster game tonight. The game was very well officiated. I think more often than not, that guy's really good. I just think it's a problem for the league when your officials are trending on Twitter. Well, it's because he people for some reason. I don't know why he is the way he looks. I don't like your face. Uh, no, you don't like his face. It's because there's a well, history and a, I track, understand. Well, and a track record. Well, then you're never gonna. He'll never change it, except for the fact that in all these games fives and sevens, his work has been spot on. I know Chris Paul doesn't like him. Even Chris Paul won a game with him this year. First time ever. First time for everything. Was it first time ever or first time in a very long first time? First time in like 14 or There you something. go. There you go. Okay. It's a long time. I'm just going to keep having 30-second conversations with you, Rich, and call it killing time. That's all. Sabalenka. <laughs> Went down. Went down, Mike. I'm so sorry. sorry That's why he's been so So sad. hour number two, Del Tufo will go back to not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs>